TechFan Podcast number, I don't know, what is it, David, 371? 371. 371 TechFan Podcasts in the bag. That's an accomplishment. Are they like um, screaming, mewling kittens in a bag? Depends on how... Trying to fight their way out. Depends on how angry I was when I recorded that episode, probably. (laughs) Um... There's not a lot of tech stuff going on this week. It's it's kind of a a slow week, really. I mean that, yep. that nothing really kind of jumped out at me like, oh my god, we got to talk about this. Uh, so you actually put all the show notes together, including our um, wiki trolling, which is going to be the etch a sketch. Yeah. Which I love the etch a sketch, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. Yep. Um, I do so, want to start, I think, and you started talking about this right before we started uh, yeah. chatting here. It's, it's night photography on the new Google Pixel phone. Yeah. It looks like it's pretty amazing. So this is a, a feature that's actually not rolled out to these phones yet, something that's that's coming very shortly. Um, but this article on The Verge basically had some of those pictures where the guy took a, a photo with and without this mode. Uh, and what this, this thing does is, much in the same way that the new um, iPhones are doing some special jiggery-pokery when you take a picture to give you a very high dynamic range, this does the same thing for low light. It takes several uh, long exposures. It corrects for any distortion from your handshaking at the same same time. And then it kind of computationally melds them together to give you a photo that looks like it was taken in normal light, even when it wasn't. And certainly from these, they have some of these pictures on the Verge article where you swipe across between the non-enhanced picture and the and the uh, night vision picture. Um, the differences are quite amazing. Not, yeah, not it's just, crazy. Not, not just the brightness, because anybody can kind of do that in a photo, but actually the level of detail that it's able to pick out um, in a in a what what appears to be an extremely dark situation. There's one here with a guy's face where um, it's 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 not the world's greatest photo in terms of uh, color noise and everything, but you can see it in a way, and it looks like it was taken virtually in the dark. Yes. Um, and uh, and then some of the other ones where there's a little bit more light, uh, the level of detail available is is absolutely something else. Yeah, I was looking uh, at the ones with the fire. Um, what yeah. Do you call them fire extinguishers. Yes. And the, the detail in, you know, the, the crappy caulking job around the trim um, isn't there in the dark photo. You can't yeah. read any other than the great big letters. You can't read any of the text. Then you scroll over, swipe over and see the enhanced photo. And it's striking. I mean, just the if you're looking at and we'll put a link into this in the show notes. If you're looking at the small unit. Yeah, the hose thing where the, the dioxide comes out. Yeah, is this a black nothing? And then you it's swipe lost, over lost and you the have shadows, yeah. detail. It's amazing. Yeah. You see highlights on it and everything. Yeah, um, it 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 is something else. It's is something else. And I think you know this is manufacturers the last few years have spent a lot of time and money improving the sensors and the optics in these camera phones to the point that that they are now. As good as as good as a a fairly good um, standalone camera from a few years ago. Yep. Um, and in certain circumstances, better than that. But 
this kind of takes it to a whole new level. And this is this is the, what's interesting about this is this is basically this is CSI type stuff. Yes, this is the sort of thing that a few years ago, you know, when they when they go click to enhance, and all of a sudden it pulls detail that you couldn't see before. This is kind of the same sort of thing, only it's doing it's not doing it using just magic pixels. It's actually you you know taking lots and lots of photos and then and then merging them together with with algorithms and this sort of stuff but the the point is the processes in the phones are so fast that you don't know it's doing any of that you just take a picture just like you would normally well no i I, don't you have to have a longer exposure you do but the thing is the camera basically it does all of that for you you don't need to set it or anything like that it basically says switching on night mode and yes it does take more exposures but you don't have to click in the past when you did this you had to click uh several exposures and then put it into a merge mode and get it to actually do it itself this is all happening automatically in the background yeah magically is the key word there um it is an impressive technology that i expect to see roll out to many different manufacturers uh with over you know over the next couple years uh, Apple, for instance, they like to brag about their phone technology as far as cameras go. That's the the big thing about the iPhone. And the iPhone traditionally has taken, I think, some of the best photography when it comes to any mobile phones. But I think the Pixel takes it to a different level. I think they're smoking the iPhone here. Uh, I'm sure that the Apple engineers are quite upset that they didn't come up with this feature themselves because it does... it. It, this this is kind of like a, you know a real step change in the ability of a camera, um, and I'm sure that the iPhone would love to have this sort of mode on it. I know they have the portrait modes, which is a very cool effect, and it gets better and better with each release. Um, and when it works, it works really well. Um, certainly to the untrained eye, that's this is the one where it basically blurs out the background to make it look like you were taking the picture with a portrait lens. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah, the problem with that is it's not always perfect. And I, I'm sure, don't get me wrong, I'm sure with this feature as well, it's not always going to be perfect. No, but this, but... this is, this is clearly, <laughs> this is clearly a trend yeah. that's going to start happening. And, and what's, what's perhaps more interesting to me is, is the ability to, uh, include other things in the camera that you might, in the, in the, in the phone that you may not think of as being useful for, to photography to further, um, enhance these. Uh, for instance, the, all these cameras now have kind of an optical image stabilizer where they, they try and move the lens in, in response to your um, your hand shaking. But, of course, these phones also have um, uh, uh, gyroscopes in them. So not only can they measure what the lens is doing, but they can also measure what the phone is doing in terms of what your hand is doing to it. And I would imagine you... Put some heavy processing on that, and you'd probably be able to get even more sharpness out of the fixtures. It's funny that at first you just think, well, it's a really good flash, and it's not. There, there's no flash photography being used on these photos. That's kind of the point. Whereas a flash is going to uh, use kind of an artificial light source that you're going to get reflections. And, you know, we've all seen the red eyes of, of people because of flash photography. That's yeah. not what this is. This is natural light. That's basically been enhanced um, without adding, I, we should say, distortion, at least on the sample pictures that we can see. In fact, yeah. it's correcting the distortions that you see in the darker photo. It's bringing out detail that you simply can't see. It's it's quite amazing. And what, what I find particularly interesting about this is that 
these cameras are now taking an approach that it actually is much closer to the way we actually see the world. Yes. Everything, everything we see is basically is a visual artifact that's been generated in our brain from the data our eyes give this the brain. And the fact that, that for instance, I'm looking out of a window now, um, and I can see the room I'm in, which is relatively unlit, and then I can also see the very sunlight brit um, sunlight that um, seen outside the windows. Um, and to me. My brain compensates for that disparity in lighting, and I just don't notice it. Whereas in a in a camera situation, you kind of have to blend for one or the other. And if I took a photo of this, then I would either have to expose for the outside or expose for the inside. And to be able to get something that represents what I see, I'd have to do some sort of weird HDR thing and then merge the things together. This is what these cameras are starting to do themselves now. You know, it's very rare for you to... It has to be really, really dark for you to be in a dark place and not be able to see anything at all. Yeah, yet you take a picture with a camera and and normally it, in a dark place it can't see anything at all. This is using the same kind of techniques that our brains use to actually pull detail out of that and allow you to see in a similar way to the way we actually perceive the world, which, let's face it, with photography, that's norm- unless you're an artist, that's normally what you want. You want a photo that represents a scene as you remember seeing it at the time. And they're using... AI and computational techniques to actually try and deliver that from these these cameras, and it, it you know it's quite amazing to the, to think that that's where we're moving to in such a short period of time from these these phone cameras appearing. I think the night vision is probably going to be the killer feature of phones for the next five years, and I think the five years after that. Well, let me get your opinion. What do you think? What comes after great night vision photography? I think I've got a pretty good idea, but what do you think? Uh, I, I'd imagine probably maybe stereoscopic. Yeah, so I was going to call it true depth. Yeah. yeah. You know, because as great as a picture can be, it's not going to trick your eye to think that it's a live scene. It doesn't have any depth. And we perceive that pretty quickly uh, as humans. But when you're just sitting in a room and you're looking around, everything is at a different depth, at a different um, plane, if you will. And so I think that would be, you know, by 2025, um, 2030, that's where phones are going to go or cameras are going to go. So, so the latest iPhones have this ability to kind of shift the focus point back and forth. Yep. Again, using the same sort of techniques, but only to a limited degree. Exactly. Um, really, you can only truly get that with, with multiple lenses. Um, and I would imagine that will be a way that... You should be able to get it go. with two lenses, though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. We only yeah, have two, two lenses as a human. <laughs> and in fact, if you, if you try this, if you actually look at a, a scene and shut one of your eyes, you'll notice very quickly that actually you realize it's flat. Yep. That what you're used to seeing is the depth session. Uh, it takes a takes a moment too for your brain to kind of catch up and realize it's not there. But then you realize that this is what photographs look like. They're flat. And then you open your other eye and all of a sudden the depth comes back because you need the two lenses to be able to do that. Um, yeah. If you just do it temporarily, uh, your brain tricks it into still seeing depth. But yeah. for those who lose, you know, one eyesight, you know, one eye or whatever, um, everything goes flat. You know, the brain still tries to compensate, yeah. but you do need two viewpoints to, to get true depth. Yeah. And and you can you can see it. If you <clears throat> if you've got something on the table in front of you, you shut one eye and then you try and touch a point. Say that I'm trying yeah. to touch the Bluetooth symbol on my mouse here. Um you miss it the first time because you're <laughs> compensating for depth that isn't there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's uh 
I think it's the future of photography. Uh, I don't know how you display it, though. You, you yeah, don't, don't you also need new display technology to display those type of photos or, or video? Uh, yeah, probably. But, you know, everyone's going on about augmented reality. I think once you get to augmented reality, then you, you, you will have You combine those two things? Yeah, you'll have something close up to your eyes anyway. Then, then the ability to deliver depth will be probably easier. Um, and it will be interesting to see if in five or perhaps even ten years' time, whether we're looking at this time when we were looking at tiny little slabs of glass in our hands and kind of go, well, <laughs> how old school was that? <laughs> right, yeah. Before yeah. everything was just computer-generated right in front of you. Right in front of um, you, exactly. We're just that much closer to uh, to Star Trek. Yeah, Absolutely. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I don't think this is pretty cool, and that's uh, Google, Google, Google. Oh, oh, Google. So let's let's stay on the Pixel for a minute. Yeah. So they advertise the Pixel as fast charging wireless. Yeah. And everyone knows about the Qi wireless charging system, and this is a certified Qi charging phone. So, great. You go out and buy a fast Qi charger thinking that this is going to charge at 10 watts instead of the 5. 5 is almost a trickle charge for these big phones. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a, a wireless charger at work that I stick my iPhone 8 Plus on, and it doesn't – it will charge it up. Don't get me wrong, but it's it maintains the charge and then kind of trickles in 1% every 20 minutes or so, whereas a fast 10-watt wireless charger is going to be a lot faster. You'd think, well, that's double. No, it's more than that. Um, it charges up pretty quickly. It's it's not quite plugging it in, but it's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here, David? Why is this kind of a, a thing? So so Google, when they launched the Pixel, um, and, and in some respects this is perhaps a little bit of a storm in the teacup because while uh, the tech press and, and people like us like to kind of talk about the Google Pixel hardware is a reference design that reflects kind of cutting edge in, in Android cell phone tech. The reality is they don't sell a lot of these. No. Um, they are hard to get hold of. They are manufactured and supplied directly by Google. You get virtually no service or support because Google has very little service support infrastructure. So they are kind of a niche product that perhaps um, uh, perhaps get certainly compared to something like the iPhone, which is truly a mass market product, or the Samsung Galaxy series, which is mass market project products. They, you know, the Google Pixel uh, design and 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 deployment kind of probably takes up a little bit more oxygen than it deserves in the in the in the tech space. But nevertheless, one of the um, one of the things they showed off when they launched this phone was this kind of this new charging stand that uh, you put the phone on and effectively uh, the phone screen stays active while it's on there. It kind of has a nightstand mode. A little bit like the Apple Watch does when you turn it on its yep. side um, to show you basic information. And um, and it's also a fast charger for the phone. So people assumed that because the phone was fast charger capable, that if they bought a, um, yeah, like a regular fast charger from Amazon, a Qi wireless charger, that they would get fast charging. But uh, it turns out they don't. Um, the phone, rather than charging at kind of the 15 to 18 watts you would expect from a Qi fast charger, basically drops down to 5 watts, which is the standard Qi speed. And um, so you don't get the advantage of that unless you buy Google's 
uh, charger, which is about $80, and typically you spend about 15 to $20 for a regular fast Qi charger. Or, so, p- not just the Google, you can also get some third parties, but it has to be a certified, yeah. made-for-Google. I'm so glad that Android is open. <laughs> now, you know what? My attitude to this is that I'm prepared to cut Google a little bit more slack on this, because... Um, certainly from my reading is that the the Qi specification has has started to be expended, extended to these medium and high powers but I don't think it's really fully ratified yet and so I think we're in one of those areas where there's a little bit of uncertainty about how you do this and I think Google are being extremely conservative here and are basically saying, well, we, there's been an awful lot of, um, well, let's face it, Samsung suffered from real problems when they had chargers and, and charging phones that were exploding um, and catching fire. And I suspect what's happened here is Google have said, you know what, we're going to be conservative here. If we're not sure that you can wirelessly charge over those higher rates, there's a safety concern. So what we're going to do is we're going to drop down to the base rate that we know is safe. I suspect that's kind of what's happening. I really don't believe, for the reasons I just said, that Google recognizes the Pixel line is a is a niche product that's not a mass market seller. I really don't believe there's a Machiavellian desire to sell extra charges and get more profit. <laughs> Of course no, not. Because, well, well, why would they do that, David? No, I because, agree with you. Because, yeah. they, because, because the, the money they're trying to grab, the money on the table for that is minuscule anyway. They sell hundreds of thousands of these phones over the course of a year, whereas uh, Apple and Samsung yeah, sells those, those, that number of phones over a weekend. Yeah, so the the amount of money you're going to claw in by forcing people to buy a high speed charger is minuscule. It's not worth the effort of, of con- concocting an engineering scheme to do it. For this opinion. phone, correct. But going yeah. forward, if Google's plans come to fruition, this will become a mass market phone. This whole well, product yeah, line—that's what they're and going then, for. Uh, and then I suspect what Google will hope is they'll pull off something like Apple did with the 30-pin dock, where it becomes a de facto standard because there's so many of them around. Um, and, and, you know, that certainly is, is, not, is not beyond Google to think, well, you know what, we'd rather, de- we'd rather define our own proprietary standard or our proprietary approach to this that actually becomes the default and is adopted by everybody else. Which goes uh, back that, to my point of, you yeah. know, Google trying to still say, that it's open. It's an open platform. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and, and anybody, you know, and Google have just been dinged by the European Union, Union for um, a massive amount of fines for the fact that, that Android is not as open as they claim it to be if you want to use Google services. Um, but that's a separate thing. So I can, I can certainly imagine that. I think, uh, you know, there is a, this is a wild west. Let's, let's remember um, Apple has been trying for over a year now to develop their own um, proprietary extension to the Qi charging standard so they can charge multiple devices on a on a pad um, and you don't have to posi- particularly position them well. Uh, and so far, they've failed to do that. This is a really hard problem to solve. Um, and, and you know what? In my experience with wireless charging is that you don't... Anybody looking to do a rapid wireless charge... I don't get it. 
you know, yeah. if you want to do a wireless charge, you kind of stick it on a thing and leave it overnight, and then it, it doesn't matter how long it takes because it's on there for eight hours. Yeah, for me, if you want to do a rapid charge, then plug it in. Let's, you know, pl- yeah, plug it in. Let's face it. If you're in an airport and you want to do a rapid charge, what are you going to do? You're going to pull out your rapid um, uh, wireless charger, plug it into the wall, and then put your phone on it. Well, you might as well just plug it straight into the wall with a cable. Yep. And then you know you're going to get the best speed. Uh, At work, I have a wireless pad sitting there that I put my phone on usually when I'm not using it. But if my phone's under 50% and it's only half through the day, I sit down at my desk, I plug it in because it's going to charge a whole lot faster. But the other thing as well is unless you're on your phone all the, and, and you're in a sales environment, you are using your phone a lot. Yeah, but for many of us, we're not. Um, so you put your phone down on a pad and it charges at five watts mm-hmm. and it keeps doing that for all the times you're not using it. And then you pick it up and then you put it back. You pick it up, put it back again. The reality is, is that you're going to get more charge than you use during the course of the day. So this kind of idea of putting it down and getting a rapid charge wirelessly and then putting it back in your pocket again, to me is a use case that's, that itself is quite niche. Yes. I don't know whether our listeners disagree, but, but you know, as somebody who's... And, and I've been playing with wireless charging for a long time, well since well before the iPhone supported it. Um, and in my view, that's, that's a use case that's not really ideal or, or um, appropriate or necessary. You know, so um, I'm I'm prepared to give Google more of a benefit of doubt uh, on this one, though. Though I I do agree with you, this could be a grab for like the future, in terms of uh, perhaps hoping to get certified by Google to be you know be a big wireless thing. And let's face it, Apple has got their own certification program, and for yep. a long time, it was really expensive and hard to get your product certified for Apple if you wanted them to do certain things. Yep, I so still have every now and then. Uh, I plug into my Apple CarPlay stereo in the car, and it's conked out. It's an Apple. The iPhone will come up. You know, this only supports charging. It's yeah. You know, it doesn't recognize that it's into our Apple CarPlay system. And I usually have to reboot the tel- uh, the um, car stereo, turn it off all the way, turn it back on, and then it works fine. But it, it CarPlay kind of. I, I saw a, char- uh, a tweet from Donnie Ankelo that he's having problems with his Apple CarPlay as well. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things. I think that Apple CarPlay should be a lot more mature at this point, but it's not. Uh, it still has problems. Uh, there's a lot of different manufacturers making Apple CarPlay stereo systems, and, you know, they have problems. I don't think it's Apple CarPlay per se. I think it's a this car stereo itself isn't, you know... The highest It'll be the car stereo, and then iOS 12 probably plays a part in it as well. Yep. And, you yeah, know. absolutely. I I was having problems. We went to uh, Frankenmuth last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, went got some Christmas decorations at Bronner's Christmas Store. It's the biggest Christmas store in the world, I guess. And uh, I think it was on the way back that I was using Waze. I wanted to try Waze some more. I like the way Waze looks better. On the uh, Apple Car Play on the on the screen itself, I like that look much better than uh, Google Maps or Apple system. It just looks really good. It's easy to see, um, and it conked out on me. It, it was mm-hmm. still routing where I was, but it wasn't dropping down into that 3D mode. Right. Um, and I, no matter what I did, it just it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So I had to turn Waze off on my phone, kind of force quit it, if you will, relaunch it. 
it remembered that I was still being routed, and it worked fine. So in that case, it was the Waze app itself. It wasn't the Apple CarPlay. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's it, iOS 12 is still brand new. I think that there's a lot of uh, bugs that still need to be worked out on apps to support CarPlay yep. in iOS 12. Uh, Sirius XM, for instance, um, I've been using my app instead of the one in the car more lately. And until they just updated the app, it would just crash constantly. You'd launch it, it'd start playing a song, and then it would lock up. And it would work fine uh, on the phone if I was going via Bluetooth. But the moment I tried to use it with Apple CarPlay, it was just wonky. It wasn't working right at all. They come out with an update, works fine now. Yeah, I I, I feel you. I, I mean, I've noticed with iOS 12 on both my iPad and my iPhone that... Um, there is kind of some sort of screen updating bug going on. Yeah. Sometimes you can go into the settings app um, or switch apps from, say, settings to Safari or something like that, and there'll be like a five-second pause when the screen is frozen, and then then it'll start scrolling. Uh, and I've also noticed as well, in fact, I've just seen it now, uh, sometimes you go into settings, and if you look in the Wi-Fi network... Um, it will list the previous night network you're on, not the one you're on now, and then I've, uh, there's like a half-second beat, and then it updates. So I, I think there is some screen refresh bugs going on in iOS 12 that, that still need squashing. I know there is for a fact because I saw a really cool glitch. I was reading a book in Kindle on my phone, mm-hmm. and I had the screen lock off. So I quit... Or I hit my phone was upside down. That's what it was, and I refreshed my phone, opened it up, and rotated my screen. And at exactly the same time, because I, the Kindle app was still front and center, it yeah. started rotating to go, you know, 180 degrees. Well, I pushed the home button part way through that screen refresh, and I thought I had to go to another app. So then I double clicked my home screen to bring up, you know, that what do you call yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, the switcher. Yeah. And you could still see the Kindle app was still in the middle of that screen refresh rotating the screen. It looked it was almost there. It was like ninety five percent there, but it wasn't quite there. It was kind of a cool look. I wish I would have taken a screenshot of it because I thought, Oh, that's kinda neat. And of course then I clicked the Kindle app and just like that it was right back to normal. Yeah, but there was that bug. It showed that it it wasn't done rotating the screen. I thought that's kind of I, 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 obviously it's a bug, but obviously. I I, I kind of liked it though. <laughs> I thought it was uh, going to be. You know what? All I can say is this won't happen. If Steve was still here. No, absolutely. Not. It's not a bug. It's a feature. Oh boy! So we do want to thank our sponsor, uh, MacSales dot com. They don't have any bugs in their stuff. They're perfect. No. Um, sure not. Last week, David, we talked about a five terabyte drive. They've got a six terabyte drive now. Uh, how many terabytes can it go to? I, I gotta wonder how how much space do you people need? Probably <laughs> it's, a lot. It's, yeah, it's funny you say that. I just bought a new phone for my wife, um, and I was seeing if she wanted the ten uh, R, and she said no. She said no because I want more space. So we ended up getting a refurbished eight for her, but with the two fifty six gig in. And that kind of blows my mind that you can have a phone with 256 gigs in it. Yeah, it's that's yeah. a lot of space you know, on a phone. So six terabyte phone, I, I'll be buying one of those from OWC when it comes out. It's uh, pretty cool. They have uh, a hard drive sale going on, so if you need storage, 
MaxSales.com. Of course, they've been a sponsor for us for a couple of years now, and uh, we want to thank them for their patronage. And we want to thank you guys for going there because obviously you hear the ads here at uh, TechFan. You're buying stuff yeah. there; otherwise, they would not continue to support TechFan. So they've got a they've got a great um, Halloween sale on the moment called O. What's Oktoberfest, yep. OWC Toberfest, um, and tons and tons of deals in there. Monster deals, yeah. That's you know. So you got a, about a week to go on that one. I'm actually taking Halloween off. I'll be yeah. home all day. Yeah, it's the last day of the month, which you don't usually want to take off when you sell cars. Mm. But I don't care. I'm taking the day off. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm preparing for my trip. I'm going away in a couple of weeks. So are you? Yeah, I'm taking my mum back to the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the cruise ship, so I will be uh, away for two and a half weeks. Should be fun. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about this etch a sketch because I, I got to be honest, I'm kind of curious about this thing. <laughs> this is our wiki trolling yeah. segment. Etch a sketch. This thing came out. I, I I remember when I was very young seeing etch a sketch, but I didn't realize this thing actually came out in the 1960s. In 1960, actually. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to 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 do this this one this week is that etch a sketch is it's one of those things a bit like Hoover or you know Electrolux or something like that. It kind of means something to everybody because everyone has heard of it, uh, and, and everyone's everyone played of, with it. Everyone's played with it. Everyone knows what it is. I've um, seen pocket etch a sketch, keychain yeah. size etch a sketch, and I saw one that was a monster etch a sketch. It must have been a. A uh, twenty-four inch etch-a-sketch thing was huge. Yeah, this is. I, I mean, it, it really again a very very clever idea for a toy, and I think they captured something about. You know, kids love to draw. Yep. Kids love to hold things and kind of fiddle with them. They like to take things with them, um, and um, no, kids also like something that's a bit of a challenge, and the etch-a-sketch is certainly that. So, for anybody, if there's anybody out there who doesn't know what an etch-a-sketch is, it's a it's a iconic red tablet that has a grey screen and the reason the screen is grey is it's covered on the inside by aluminium dust Um, and what happens is you've got two knobs and you scroll those and it moves pulleys inside to move uh, effectively a a stylus across the across the back of the glass screen and so it scrapes the powder off and leaves a dark line well, the dark uh, line isn't actually a line. It's just yeah, the, the inside it's, of the etch sketch black, yeah. The inter- it's black, yeah. It's dark. So you just should seeing the, seeing the dark inside of the toy. Um, and you can twiddle those knobs and draw whatever you want. And um, amazingly enough, you look down through the Wikipedia article, and apparently there's a whole subset of people who do um, professional artwork using these things. Yes, uh, I've seen uh, some in person before. I was at a museum years ago. And they had all these Etch-A-Sketches under glass that people had done amazing artwork. I mean, just, yeah. it was crazy. They had faces and almost completely um, round circles. I'm like, how the hell do they do that with an Etch-A-Sketch? It's, the only thing I yeah. could do is make a, a staircase. That's about it. There's a there's a there's one here on on the Wikipedia page of the Taj Mahal, and yeah. it's astonishing. And you see, what I've never understood with this is... You look at this, there's a cloud on that picture that's not connected to anything else. Yeah, it's got to be, and but I, he did such a light line. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. And and apparently the way this is done is you, you buy your etch sketch, 
you do one of these amazing drawings uh, with however many hundreds of hours it takes you, and then you drill the back into the etch sketch and remove the aluminium powder so you can't re- can't delete it because the way you, you and this was one, uh, the other genius of the etch sketch is that. If you want to do another drawing, you just turn it upside down and shake, shake it. it. Yeah. And the powder covers everything you've drawn, and then you start again. Um, and uh, the, there was truly a great, probably one of the best Dilbert cartoons I remember, where um, the pointy head boss asks for a laptop. Oh, he says, Dilbert, he says, he says to Dilbert, my laptop has crashed again. Can you come and reboot it for me? And he goes in there and he's actually given him an etch sketch and he yeah. just kind of shakes it over his head and they go, there you go. Oh, thanks very much. And of course, the boss doesn't realize it's not a computer. <laughs> um, an etch sketch has a thick, flat gray screen and a red plastic frame. There are two white knobs on the front of the frame in the lower corners. Twisting the knobs moves the stylus. It displaces aluminum powder, I don't say alum, uh, however you say it, uh, on the back of the screen, leaving a solid line. The knobs create a lithographic image. The left control moves the stylus horizontally, and the right moves it vertically. The Etch-A-Sketch was introduced near the peak of the baby boom on July 12, 1960, for $2.99, $25 today. It went on to sell 600,000 units that year and is one of the best-known toys of that era. In 1998, it was included in the National Toy Hall of Fame at the Strong in Rochester, New York. Uh, by the way, I'd love to go to the National Toy Hall yeah, of Fame. That would say, be fun. Yeah. In 2003, the Toy Industry Association named Etch-A-Sketch to its Century of Toys list, a roll call commemorating the 100 most memorable creative toys of the 20th century. I think it deserves all those accolades. I mean, it, it's, it's really... Uh, it's iconic at this point. I mean, it's it one of those things that has it's it's bigger than itself, if you will. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, I don't even remember in the Toy Story movies they they use an etch a sketch all the time. Of course, the etch sketch there was alive and could communicate by drawing things on the screen. But they also used it for mission planning, as I recall. Um, and uh, and yeah, it is one of those things that's very recognisable. I also think. It deserves a shout-out for the engineering. Yes. Because actually being able to create a toy that's this robust, I have never heard of an Etch-A-Sketch being broken. Because I would imagine if that powder gets out, it makes a hell of a mess. And yet I've never heard of it happening. I've and never heard to, of it happening either. No, and to, to make a toy that's been sold in the millions to kids who must abuse them, because kids abuse all toys, and for it not to be a known thing that it breaks open and spirals everywhere, I think is also a huge unsung engineering achievement. To be able to mass-produce a toy at, a, at an affordable price that that's, robu- that's that robust is something else. And um, I praise them for that. I truly do. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, everyone likes to doodle. Yeah. And... I, I remember Christmases in the 70s at my grandma's house. And it seemed like every other year, one of us kids would get an Etch-A-Sketch. Even if we had one, and we didn't care. We're like, oh, cool, another Etch-A-Sketch. Because, I'll be honest, after a couple of years of playing with an Etch-A-Sketch, it doesn't seem like the aluminum powder sticks as well to the back <laughs> of the screen as a brand new yeah. one does. Yeah. So you got to replace them occasionally. And the but. pulleys, I think the pulleys kind of... They lose a they lose a bit of give after a while. Yeah, um, you, you so. can feel an old one. It's kind of like crank, crank, yeah, crank. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually had one that the, I think it was the right knob that 
didn't do anything. Like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those, but those little keychain ones are almost worthless. They're more novelty yeah. than anything. Yeah. But I, I think you can probably, you probably use it as a psychological tool to determine the, the personality of a kid by what they do when they're first presented with an etcher sketch. There's, you, you, I, as I recall in my experience, there's several things. First of all, you get the kid who writes their name. Yep. In, in kind of, and of course, when you first pick one up, it takes some skill to figure out how to do curved lines. So most people just do the, uh, you know, the square, the square of kind of like, um, you know, those are old arcade games where you had to draw, draw the squares and then it filled in in the middle. Yep. Um, so yeah, f- the, somebody who does a, who does a, a, a square, then, then you get the more adventurous kids who actually start using it for drawing, still using straight lines, but they're still trying to draw something like that. Then you get the weird kid. <laughs> Right, the weird kid wants to know how it works. Yeah, yeah it takes it apart. And the first, the well, no, the the first thing they do before they take it apart is they basically painstakingly use the controls to start scratching out a bigger and bigger clear area on. Oh the, yeah, uh, I did that. Screen. So you can look inside, and then you get a flashlight and look inside and see what's going on. <laughs> that's that's usually what I would do. If, at first, I would draw my ascending or descending stairway. Yeah, you know, and then I would start in one corner, work my way up. Just a little bit over and then back down. I would do that's that. Right. Just yeah, that's right. It became a that, game to see how much of the, the stuff that I could get off of there. Yeah. And, the, and of course, you know, the true ambition of a kid doing that is, that, you know, well, I'm going to keep at it until the whole screen is clear. Yeah. You never, you never did that. <laughs> I, I think my best was about half. And then I could actually see the pulleys in there. I thought that was pretty cool. Then, of you course, what, I got though, bored and I was like, this is stupid. I'm thinking... Yeah, have you seen those robotic projects where they kind of they they put a, a Rubik's cube in a, sure. in a in a set of things and then it it can solve any cube in about half a second? Yep. I'm thinking what the world needs is a, a Raspberry Pi driven etch a sketch robot that Ooh. basically can draw anything you kind of put on the screen on the etch a sketch using you know convert the thing into lines and then basically use the knobs to create that. That'd be kind of cool. Um, I, I, that would be kind of cool. I could see, I could see myself going YouTube viral with something like that. I agree. Mm. Yes, yep. and probably, probably not that hard to do. You're only talking about a couple of, um, in terms of physicals. I'm not talking about the programming. Uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, you probably only need just a couple of Roshimoses and some connections to make that happen. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be very difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the programming would be different, but well, yeah, but probably again, though. Probably not all that hard, if you think about it. The hardest part's going to be translating an image into something that, that's going to look all right in the etch sketch. So that's the challenge to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll expect to see videos by next week, please. Yeah, the first one who does it gets to host an entire episode of Tech Fan All by Themselves. You send the show in, talk about whatever you want, we'll post it. That's, that's the yeah. reward. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's that's the etch a sketch, David. That's a good one. I you know when I saw this last week when you had those uh, suggestions, I thought that, yeah. that would be a good one because who doesn't remember or even like? No one has negative feelings about the etch a sketch. <laughs> if you do, then let, let's hear about it. <laughs> no, let's not because we'll 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 make fun I, of you. No, I want to understand what the etch sketch could do to you to make you have negative feelings for it. So, uh, I guess I guess if you had a, a sibling who hit you around the head with one then perhaps Yes. <laughs> that might be an issue. But that's probably deeper than the etch sketch. Well, it's probably yeah, it's not really the etch sketch. No, it's just no. an in- instrument of violence rather that's than right. the uh, yeah. 
So we did get one piece of feedback I wanted to uh, go over here, and this is from Donnie Yankelo. Uh, I talked about him earlier about uh, Apple CarPlay, but this was about our discussion on the Apple TV. In fact, John Nemo sent us a quick feedback saying it was uh, he really enjoyed that as well. Mm-hmm. So do you want to read uh, Donnie's? Sure. And this was a series yeah. of tweets that I kind of put together. Uh, that doesn't always translate great when you're trying to read it as one monster um, feedback, but go for it. So uh, Donnie says, I agree with David on Apple TV remote. Okay, he that's never- enough. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> Tim immediately thinks, well, is this a... Well, delete that tweet. (laughs) It's useless. He goes, we never use the iOS app. Always use the physical remote. It's more convenient when we use it and for when we use it and for selecting content to watch. It works fine for us. Though the movie where anywhere's Apple... Although Movies Anywhere app, the Apple TV isn't needed much for content because that app lets us watch most of the content we have on any device. I won't see Movies Anywhere. I'll look into that. If there was a TV Anywhere app, we'd be totally set. So, right, yeah, so we could stream TV directly off the internet. The dream would be there, Donnie. If they became more focused on content apps and dropped support for games, it could use a less powerful processor and drop the price. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, make it more focused, almost the way CarPlay is, although that is too focused. I'd love a weather app on CarPlay and a few others. Amazon, Apple, Google, etc. are all trying to be too much. They need to focus on one or two things and be best at that. Don't have to be an all-in-one company. Make your products and OS the best, and you don't need a foot in every area. I, I kind of agree with the sentiment. Uh, you know, I think that hyper-focused products are generally the best products. But then again, you look at the iPhone, and you think, well, or the Google Pixel, and you think, well, they've got amazing cameras, so it's not you know, a one product focused thing. But yeah. in this regard, at least as far as the Apple TV is concerned, I kind of have to agree with Donnie here in that we want the Apple TV to watch content. So content is king. And if you provide an affordable price for a device that you simply plug into your TV and you can get all your content on that TV, that's a good product. Here's the problem though, Donnie. There's a bunch of companies doing that now, and they're doing it better than Apple. So either Apple needs to completely drop the Apple TV completely, get rid of it, because it's an also-ran at this point. As many Apple fans listen to the show uh, don't like to hear, the Apple TV lost. I mean, I, I think, quite honestly, I think that it's a um, two-horse race right now, and Apple's not one of those two horses. I think Amazon yeah. is winning. Uh, Amazon definitely has an advantage, though I think th- the more you use Amazon Prime for video, the, you realize the limitations of the platform in terms of it just doesn't have enough content. I agree, 100%. Um, but yeah, and, and that is, the, the difficulty is you could use it for a while, and then you can find that you've kind of reached its limits, and then you move on to something else. So, I, in Amazon's, uh, the advantage is that by that point you've already bought the hardware and you already bought into Amazon Prime for a whole load of other things. So uh, you often don't drop the Amazon Prime subscription just because you can't watch Amazon Video anymore. But I can't remember the last time I watched Amazon Video. It's well, Netflix all the way for me. But isn't Netflix on? Don't they have a Netflix app for the Amazon? 
Uh, I believe they do. Yeah, and uh, I'm the, talking about hardware here and, and content. Yeah. I'm not talking about the studios that are owned, like Netflix owns their own studio, so does uh, Amazon, yeah. so does Apple. Uh, Roku does not. And I think Roku and Amazon are at the top of the heap now. I think the Chromecast is also also ran. I don't think that's anywhere in the conversation anymore. Yeah, problem with Chromecast, to be honest, is that um, it's one of those things you can't, don't really know what it's for. And it also, it doesn't, it doesn't support everything. Exactly. That's yeah, my point. You've got, you, you've, got to, you've got to go, oh, well, does this... If, if you have a Chromecast, it's like, well, what can I... Exact, you have to kind of do some mental gymnastics to figure out what you can and what you can't do with it. Um, and that's not good. Well, the other aspect, some people say, well, the Apple TV has all those you know, apps. In fact, they have that single sign-in thing. So if you've got, let's say, a, an AT&T or a Comcast subscription... And you subscribe to HBO and Showtime, and obviously you'll get CBS and NBC and all that. All those apps are on the Apple TV. So what are you talking about, Tim? Well, what I'm talking about is the Apple TV costs three or four times as much as the Amazon product that does essentially the same thing. And Apple's trying to make it pretend anyways that it's it's more than that. You can also play games, except they did that half-assed and that's where the problem is yeah and and the problem with the with the single sign-on thing what the advantage that gives apple tv and it's something it does pretty well is the search so you can use uh, siri to search for a particular program and it will pull it out of even here in the uk where we don't have support for all those cable subscriptions um i can search for something using voice in my apple tv and it will pull it out of the bbc iplayer or it will pull it out of um any any of the three or four different channels we have over here, it'll obviously see Apple's content. But the difficulty is, I I find myself wondering. I don't think a lot of people do searches on these things that much. No, and here's I think, why. I think they browse. That's exactly yeah? it. Yeah. That's that's where the power of Netflix comes in. For instance, when you yeah. log into your Netflix account on a computer in your web browser, you're presented with all of this content. Not just the stuff you're interested in or the stuff that you've added to your I want to watch this list. You're presented with essentially the old TV guide. That's yeah. what it is. That's what we like is, you know, TV and movie viewers. We we don't know what we want to watch. I'm yeah. I'm firing up this app and I'm I'm firing up my uh Apple TV, for instance, and I'm going into all these different apps because well, let's see what's on CBS app. Yeah, nothing looks good. What about this one? Yeah. What about this? Oh, look, that looks interesting. Let's watch an episode of this, yeah. see what this is like. That's exactly. where the future is. Uh, and the problem is, for Apple, is that, as we well know, browsing and discoverability, no matter what the platform, whether it be the Mac App Store, the iOS Store, iTunes, yeah. whatever, yep. browsing and discoverability on their platforms has always been awful. It's awful. It is yeah. just off. And I'll be honest, Netflix is a little bit starting to go down that route. And that yeah. when you go to the Netflix homepage now, it's almost too much stuff. I don't, well, I don't know where I'm yeah. supposed to be looking. And also, I found the problem with Netflix is that it's too wedded to what you've watched before. Yes. It? it doesn't. It doesn't give you any diversity. Yeah, they're um, going the opposite direction where they where their strong suit was when Google's yeah. streaming service first came out. It was full of stuff of hey, check this out and check this out. And yeah. You found new things, and I think they also put a little bit more. Or I should say, too much emphasis is on their their own content. Yeah, but not in smart ways. For instance, when the new se- season of Daredevil came out, 
I couldn't find it. It wasn't on the main page. And I thought, wait a minute, this is one of their biggest shows, and it's not here. I had to do a search for it. Nope, there it was. They kept yeah. pushing this thing that I had already said, I, by my lack of never hovering over it to get any information, that I wasn't interested in. And that same show stayed there for a week and a half. Yeah, and then also as well, uh, while we're banging on Netflix, uh, I find it frustrating that it shows you shows you've already watched. Yeah, why do I see that? Yeah. And, Watch okay, it again. All right, there could be a new season, but then you go and click on that show, and yeah. it doesn't immediately put you to the new season of the stuff you've no watched. No, it puts you at episode one, season one. Yeah. And then you've got to go scrolling through, well, where's the new season? Yep. It's dumb. Yeah. You well, know, it if wasn't I go like that to, If I go to Luke Cage and I've watched season one, it knows I've watched season one. It should immediately present me season two. Well, if you actually hit play, it will start season two. So it's smart yeah, in that regard. That's, but that's in, in browsing, yeah. it's not. Yeah. And of course, if I want to see Luke, season three of Luke Cage, I can't because they just canceled it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I kind of wonder what their reasoning behind that is. I know a lot of people watch that show. I understand Iron Fist. It wasn't good. Um, Luke Cage was good, although I will say they lost me about halfway through the, the second season. I got really bored, and then the end of the season was just stupid. It was really bad. I thought, no, that is, you are not staying true to the Luke Cage character. This is not who he is. This is, this was a really bad decision to how to end this season. Yeah, um, I, I heard that the, apparently the, they were all ready to go for Luke Cage season three, but there were major internal ructions between what Netflix wanted and what the showrunner wanted. Uh, yep. And eventually they said, well, we can't square this circle, so pull the plug. Uh, the, there, there is speculation, of course, that now that Disney is setting up its own streaming service, that actually they want to pull back some of these properties for that. And I don't have a problem with that. If no. they... If they keep the same actors and they keep the continuity there, I don't have a problem yeah. with that. No, I don't have that either. I just what I don't want is the what you know what seems to be the constant thing in in the industry nowadays, which is oh let's reboot it and start it again, let's reimagine it. And it's like no, please don't, please stop doing that. I agree, um, but in some cases, I think it's necessary. Like with Marvel getting the X Men and the Fantastic Four back, they have to reboot those series. Oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about properties that are like been and failed. But I'm talking about stuff that's established and doesn't need rebooting, and yet they they decide to reboot it anyway. Yeah, I hate the fact that they're finishing up Sony uh, or not Sony uh, Fox is finishing up the X Men movies with Dark Phoenix. Which yeah. they already tried to do once and completely screwed up. Now they're going to do it again, and you know it's going to suck. You just know it is. And it's like, uh, yeah, let, let, let's, stop, let's, don't do that. Let Marvel do it because they know yeah. what the Dark Phoenix really is, and it's not let's, this crap that yeah. you're doing. And let's face it, um, the uh, the last X Men movie was also terrible. They, you oh, know, it they was. Took, they took that great that great premise they had of of, of re that was one thing that needed rebooting. And X -Men first, first class, class was awesome. Yeah. So was the second one. Yeah, but then the third one, they just turned it into the same movie as the others used to be. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. It's like, come on. Sony just doesn't understand the characters. They never have. Although I do think that they've understood Wolverine. Mm -hmm. um, that, that could, I, I will still say it. I still think Logan, um, yeah. of all of the movies that, that Fox did with the X-Men or the Fantastic franchises that they own, well, owned, they don't anymore, uh, that was the best they've ever done. It yeah. was just, it was a brilliant movie. Uh, I loved it. I, I could watch that a bunch of times and get something new every time. Patrick yeah. Stewart was amazing in it. Hugh Jackman, 
he took that character as far as you can go. And they did good with Deadpool, too. I don't want to dis- discount yeah. that. That's just popcorn, stupid fun. And I don't have a problem with popcorn, stupid fun movie. I enjoy those. Speaking of which, have you seen Venom? No. I, I've heard so many bad things. I'm just like, uh, no, You know what? It, it. It, it, if you kind of accept it for what it is and go into it thinking this is a popcorn movie, it, it's, it's not as bad as you might think. My fear um, is Sony is planning on getting Spider-Man back from Marvel and running with it themselves, and they will completely destroy that character like they've done every other time. Uh, it, it definitely does not need to have Spider-Man in it. I think I think they need to let the Venom thing be its own thing. Um, the, but again, it's one of those movies where it's the performance that makes it. Uh, it's, it's Tom Hardy kind of throws himself so much into the role that he kind of takes it, he raises it above what the material itself is because with another actor in the role everyone would just been oh this is just awful but he kind of he kind of makes it work um it's still not the world's greatest movie but you know what it's an entertaining way to to, to pass an hour and a half mm. <laughs> you know, I no totally hits netflix I, no i'm not at all because no well number one i think the venom character itself isn't a good character. It, it, he was designed to be the dark Spider-Man and he was a villain. And in that role, when they first introduced him, he was really good because he really was menacing, but then he became popular. And of course they're going to eventually yeah. make him a good guy. And there's spinoffs and this carnage and there's a white venom. And it was just, ugh, stop. Uh, although what they're doing in with venom right now, in the comics is actually pretty interesting. Uh, some pretty good stories there, but the point is it, it's not a, movie character that you're going to base anything around. That's not the strength of that character. He's Spider-Man's foil. That's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be Spider-Man, the dark side. That's interesting to me. And I think that kind of a movie with a really good venom could be fantastic. A a perfect foil for the lightheartedness of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, especially the way Marvel is recast and rebuilt that character up. My fear, like I said, is that Tony's going to pull Spider-Man back. They think they're going to be able to do a better job, and they're going to completely ruin him within one or two movies. It's going to be garbage. Yep. Uh, um, I think I think Marvel and Disney has to get their own characters back from these studios. They just have to. Now, I'm not saying that you know only Marvel can make uh, a good Marvel movie. Uh, I think. Deadpool is a, a clear example, of, especially the second one. The second movie of Deadpool, I think, was actually better than the first one. I, I really enjoyed it. It was really a good movie. Um, but I just look at what Fox did with, with uh, their properties, and they almost ruined them. Thank God Marvel got those back. And Sony's Sony's tracker is even worse than, than what Fox has done. And I don't yeah. understand Marvel. Disney, can you throw enough money at this to get it back? So that's my, uh, I think we lost David. We did. David is gone. So we'll wrap up on that uh, sad note. David's internet connection went down. <laughs> we look forward to uh, hearing some feedback from you guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can always leave a uh, message on mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com, and we'll read your feedback here. No, David, I'm not bringing you back in. I'm not going to do it. I'm not bringing him back in. If if he hangs up on me, I'm just not bringing him back in. <laughs> so Nothing here's, here's a show. handy hint. <laughs> here's a handy hint. Don't close 
the tab running wire <laughs> when you're cleaning up your uh, your Chrome desktop while yeah. you're recording a podcast. Yeah, no, I I tend not to open or close too many things while I'm recording. Yeah, uh, for exactly that reason, I've done stupid stuff like that before, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yep. I'm, I, the I, first first couple of minutes, I'm thinking, what do I? What the hell? I actually was doing a uh, a solo show a couple of years ago when you were on vacation, mm-hmm. and I was about forty minutes into it, and I went to close a browser window, and I accidentally closed the GarageBand window. Oh god! Lost everything; it was gone uh, immediately. And I was yeah. just I just kind of sat there for a minute, thinking, "Do I really need a show this week? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Maybe I just won't even record." Uh, but I was wrapping up. I already gave the uh, feedback and blah 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 blah. Anything else before we wrap here, David? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just remember, get those uh, etch sketch robots together. Yep. Win that, win that prize. We've got to uh, see it by the end of 2020. Yeah. That's, that's then, the deadline. And then next week will be my last week for uh, uh, two, three weeks. So let's make it a good one next week as well. Sounds like a plan. We're going to talk about Bell Labs, maybe the entire episode, because that is a an awesome recommendation. We got from Steve last week, and uh, we're definitely going to do that. So Bell Labs next week. See you guys then. See you then.